I hope, I hope last week was beneficial for you. Um, I myself, I was teaching at Door of Hope. I don't know if I told you that or not, but um, when when uh, Travis and Steve were here, I, I I listened to it, of course, and I had some conversations with Steve and of course Travis, whatever. But we're having continued conversation. But I hope through that, at very least, you just um, maybe got a, a little glimpse into kind of the type of person we're looking for. Not necessarily personality type or anything like that, but the character of a person and the experience of a person. And um, hopefully you got just a small picture of that. Whether or not Travis comes, I don't know. Um, And I know that there's some risk, like (laughs) um, having somebody, anybody in here, some of you kind of maybe attach yourself to them or not. Oh, that'd be cool. And then maybe it doesn't work out. I know that, but at the same time, um, the elders were processing through this and just want to remind you that we're working really hard. Um, feel like you not only want, but you deserve a pastor to be here all the time. And, and until we find that tight as tigered staff, we're going to keep filling in for you teaching wise, but we're also going to provide some more pastoral side too. So just so you know, people that you know, like a Luke or a Jeff, um, going to be around more as well. And so, um, we care deeply so it's pray for us and hang in there we're gonna keep going but was last week good it seemed like it was good yeah and um seemed light and uh talked with steve even on friday as he was driving down um it just went fast didn't it man it went fast so um i even told him that early on and then i lived had to live through it too you know it's like wow it went fast um anyways we are here, and we are in Luke chapter 12 this morning. So if you want to turn there, if you have like uh, some app or the Bible or whatever, um, we'll also put them on the, the screen, the verses we covered today. We're going to start off in verse 13. But um, here's what I will say. Scripture, if we're really honest with it, can uh, push some buttons in our life. And sometimes it's really personal, and it hits deep. And um, other times, it's just kind of more of a general challenge to how we think as a culture. And it's, it's kind of be either or. I just want to preface this by telling you today is both. So I'm glad you're here. <laughs> um, it's, it's actually both. Um, it pushes on so many buttons uh, for us. And, and what, I, what I would say is, is that, um, man, if you... If you don't want your life to be critiqued by Scripture, then stay away from it <laughs> because it will uh, speak into some areas of your life that some of it we understand and acknowledge, some of it we don't want to deal with or whatever, but it just will critique your life if we open ourselves up to it. And so I think today is one of those sections of Scripture. And I want to just talk honestly through it. The beauty of it is that we could talk honestly about the Bible and how it might apply to our lives, and that's the beauty. Um, the work side of it is, is that now we have to take it as a teaching of Jesus and go, okay, now I got some work to do afterwards. And I think that'll be true today. Um, we're, we pick it up, the story, as Luke is telling it in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, and there's a growing and diverse crowd so around them. So I don't know if you imagine going to Washington Square Mall or another mall in the area, and you go and just imagine the diversity, not just like ethnic diversity, although that's true, especially Washington Square Mall, 
But the, just imagine the diversity of upbringing, background, belief systems, convictions. Just imagine that diversity. And that's a good picture of the type of diversity that's around Jesus. And Jesus has been speaking into a bunch of issues that pertain to everyday life to the crowds that are around him. And today, we're going to see that Jesus, as he's teaching, is going to be interrupted by a man with a request. And Jesus, of course, is going to respond to the request, but it's not without digging into the heart of what the request. And this is where I think it will reveal a bunch within us. Some of that will be good, and, and all of it will be healthy. But um, if we're honest, we're going to have some work to do. So Luke chapter 12, verse 13, we'll start reading. And um, here's what we come to. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, that's Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, here's here's the deal. Uh, In this culture, in Jewish culture, when a father died, all of the property and ownership and possessions went to the oldest son. So property included land, but it also included family. Like they were viewed as property. And so that passed down to the oldest son. Well, apparently this sibling, that doesn't settle great. So he goes to Jesus and says, can you tell my brother to share all of that with me when my dad dies? Or maybe the dad has died. I don't know. But we know what the guy wants. And he wants some of those possessions. And the cultural understanding isn't working too great for this guy. And frankly, in our culture, it doesn't work great either because if we have anything to give when we die other than debt, <laughs> we, we divide it evenly amongst our children, right? That's how our cultural understanding is. That would be fair in our minds. But cultural reality and the idea of fairness is not what Jesus is going to get at here. He's going to get to the heart issue that's driving this guy. And So here's what he says. He said to him, man... That's awesome. Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you in this issue? And he said to them, so now it goes to the crowd, right? Who had made me your arbitrator over this inheritance issue? Then he goes to the crowd and he says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So again, cultural understanding or the idea of fairness is not the issue Jesus is getting at here. He just jumps straight to the heart of the issue, and he brings out this idea of coveting. So coveting, at its root level, is basically you want something that you don't own, but somebody else does, right? And at the root of that is, therefore, discontentment. So the idea is, is is that coveting is actually wanting something you don't yet have, um, and it's very deceitful because rooted in discontentment, it's, it's, it lies to us because it actually t- tells us that if we get what we want, we will then be content. And the issue is, is that actually if I'm not content with what I have, what makes me think I'm going to be content with what I want? So Jesus is digging here, and he's getting into the root heart issue of all of this. 
And this is why Jesus is going to tell this story. It's going to keep digging deeper. Here's what he says in verse 16. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. So the guys in the ag world, he's a good businessman. It booms on him. And he's like, man, what do I do with all this? Verse 18. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my old barn, my barns, and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. In the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So the guy has... He succeeds. He's successful in life. And he has so much, he doesn't know what to do with it. So he basically builds himself storage units. I'm going to set all of this aside. And then he says, then I'm going to tell my soul, like, okay, now you'll be at rest, knowing that I have everything that I need for the future. Now, there are a few things that every human being wants. And, uh, and frankly, I think that every human being is wired for. And one of those things is security. We want security. We want security in our relationships. If we don't feel secure in our relationships, frankly, we can do really pretty weird things. Right? With our spouse or whatever, our children, whatever. We want safety in our home. We want safety in our finances and financial well-being and all of those kind of things. Security is something that we really, really want, we value, and we work pretty hard to feel that sense of security. We want that. Because the opposite is like high anxiety, right? So if I don't feel secure, I'm going to... I'm going to search for that, and that search is actually what Jesus is getting to here. Is we, we, we save money for emergencies and rainy days and all of that, but it's interesting, frankly, this idea of building barns so that I could rest for the future, um, our retirement plans are eerily similar to that. I have more than I need, and I need to have so I can rest In our mind, we would say, I have a peace of mind for the future now. That's what we want. We want to feel security. Now, here's what I want to make sure we understand, because we can get wonky on this stuff. But the the, the desire for security is not a bad thing. And if you notice, Jesus isn't saying having barns is a bad thing either. What he is saying, though, is there's something deeper that you need to think about. He's getting to the root pursuit. Why are you pursuing security in these things? Security is not a bad desire, but Jesus seems to be getting down to this idea of discontentment, which is, and and coveting. He's saying, actually, this is at the root of why you're pursuing security in things. Frankly, I think that's at least worthy of, of some thought, because although Jesus doesn't say barns are bad, God does call this guy a fool. That's worthy of some attention. Now, we can all come up with a definition of what a fool is, right? So uh, whatever you want to claim it. But in Scripture, 
it tends to speak of people that make um, their practices in the denial of God. So they deny God's presence, deny God's promises, deny God's provision in their daily practices. In other words, um, they kind of take life into their own hands, and they don't actually need to trust anybody outside of themselves. The Bible says that that's foolish, and that is a fool. And this is why God says your soul is required. So it's beyond like your natural tendencies or your cultural understanding. He says, like, when you think about the word soul, it's actually the Hebrew word nefesh, which um, the best way I could describe it is it's the person that looks outside of your eyeballs. And God in this story is appealing to the man in a way it's fascinating. So he's saying, look, the very thing you want to have rest and peace by searching for security in these things, I'm asking you to seek the counsel of that. Same thing. In other words, do you actually believe deep down that these things are going to give you the inner peace that you actually want. This is why he says your soul is required. Think more deeply about this. Now, um, feeling secure is a is a funny thing. Like it's it's when I when you kind of like process it. So, like for instance, um, uh, money. So a bank account. If you have, um, let's just say that maybe you have a minimum in your bank account that you want to have, like fluid or liquid, for emergencies or whatever. So you have a limit. I don't know, call it whatever it is, just a limit. That you don't, you want to have at least this much. Have you ever noticed if you need to dip below that amount, how insecurity creeps in? Like whatever that amount is? If you go below it, you start to feel insecure. Even if you get above it, you start to feel more secure. That's funny. You ever, um, it's interesting when you think about it. Like in my home, um, when your equity goes up, which is not a problem in this world today, um, according to Zillow, which is not gospel, um, my house has gone up 50% in two years. Two years. I couldn't even buy it today. It's crazy. But it's amazing on how the equity is going up, and I actually feel more secure. It's, it's, it's a funny thing. Yeah, um, we have this alarm system. We got a great deal on an alarm system when we moved into the house. And so I didn't buy an alarm because I'm afraid of somebody getting in. I have three girls. I don't want them to get out, right? So they're still young, but I'm, like, preparing for the future. And I got a great deal on it, so I'm just like, okay, go. Um, but it's interesting, when we first started having it, we started to set it at night. And then I stopped setting it, and my wife's like, did you set the alarm? No. It's amazing that when you have something and you have a sense of security in it, and then you lose that, you feel insecure. So security is this odd thing that we all want, and we all seek to have it in a number of different things that desires good right, and even God designed, but it's fluid. And, 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 and when we have security in something, we're going to fight to keep it. That's how it works. 
So, so when we look at this, in this story, God seems to be getting to a, a deeper issue, though, in not just in the things, but why the things. And this is where Jesus, I think, is going to hit this. So we have this idea of, like, coveting. We want what we don't own, and that's deceitful because it's rooted in discontentment because we actually think we're going to be then content with what we want. And the truth is we're not even content with what we have. So that's revealing and worthy of some attention. If we come over to the other side of things, Jesus is going to actually get to the root of even that um, in their lives. Watch this. Here's what he says in verse 22. And he said to his disciples, so that's key, okay? So he's, the guy comes to him. He responds to the guy. Then he addresses the crowd on the heart issue of that, tells the story. And now he turns to those people that are identifying themselves as his followers. Here's what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Like the basic necessities of life. Don't be anxious about that. So now we throw anxiety into this. This is getting to the root of why. Watch this. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. Have you ever noticed um, uh, the Colossae logo on the L? There's a bird. Most people in the Christian world think it's a dove. It's actually a raven. And the reason why we have a raven on there is because ravens will eat what normal people won't even be around. And we love that picture of the church. We're going to be around the type of people that we see Jesus being around, and we like that picture, a broken world, and entering into that. And so it's a raven, but it's a dirty bird. It's like the least of the birds kind of deal. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life. If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest of it? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Now, if we're not super careful here, this could be a very trite conversation because um, we all know that anxiety and worry are a very real part of every one of our lives. I'm not alone in that, correct? Okay. And this could be a very trite moment where we're like, ah, I just feel really guilty because I have anxiety. I just need to trust God. And we kind of try to slap a Bible verse on it. Right? But when something is so personal and so deep and maybe even emotional like your spouse dies, 
the last thing you want me to hear is God has a plan for your life. There, there might be truth in that, but in the moment, it's not really helpful. Agree? So I don't want this to be a trite conversation where we ignore the realities of anxiety. It's very real for us. And the truth is, is we have to recognize that we're anxious about things because we care. So my daughter's going into, uh, my youngest daughter's going into kindergarten this year. It's a big step. As a parent, there's a little bit of like angst and risk in that. I have a sense, a little bit of sense of anxiety. She's going to be fine. But if I'm really honest, I think about her going into the room by herself and looking around and I'm concerned. I could get concerned about how people treat her, right? There's a little bit of angst in me. Why? Because I care. That's why. I actually care. Right? We prayed for um, this family whose young daughter, I think she's seven, went in for a really intensive surgery. The parents had some anxiety because they care. We have um, Jeff Leatherman. He, they, him and Stacy have two foster children right now. That two boys that might, looks like they might end up having to go back to their parents, who are not the healthiest of people. They have a little angst about them. Why? Because they care. So th- let's just like recognize that fact, right? It's all. And the closer it is to home, the more angst we have. Agree? You with me? <laughs> okay. So we, 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 I don't want to like just slap a Bible verse on this. However, we, we do need to acknowledge, at least acknowledge, this distinction that Jesus is making here between anxiety and that pursuit of security and faith in the security we have in God. That is a worthy distinction to process. And this is where Jesus is kind of getting to like the heart of this issue because the truth is that Jesus is saying like there's, there's no reason to worry because the dirtiest of birds is taken care of and you are way more valuable. In other words, like true life is not experienced in the security that you can provide for yourself. Your soul is required to process that. But true security, true angst is not rid. You're not ridding that with what you can provide yourself. At some point, Jesus' point is, is that the gift of God is security with him and in his kingdom. This is why he says, seek him and all of it he is doing. Because that's why you're, where you're wired. That's where true security is actually discovered. Now, Okay, so, great. So I should trust God. <laughs> Again, I, I don't want to deny the realities that we have to sift through in there because there's a lot of work to do. Because if we're honest, finding security in anything outside of ourselves is really, really difficult. We live in an independent-based and driven culture. And so I don't find security in dependency at all. At all. It's not just with God, it's with anything. I only have security when I am independent from everything else. Make sense? You ever meet, if you ever meet somebody and, um, and you have some sort of friendship with somebody in another country, particularly an African country and some Asian countries, you will find, uh, often get irritated, actually, 
because they will ask you for money. And for us, that just rubs us wrong. Like, why are you asking me for money, you greedy jerk? You know, like, what is that? Well, that rubs me wrong because that actually gets into the idea of security. In their world, they only have security in dependency of the community around them. For me, I don't find security in that, so it's really awkward. In fact, I look at it as greedy. Why are you doing this? You're trying to manipulate me. Why? Well, it gets to the root of my security. I only feel secure when I'm taking care of myself. And my, my security is actually threatened when I'm dependent on anyone or anything else, including God. So this is a massive hurdle that we have to get over. And if we're not able to find security ourselves, then angst is very real. And, and we, this is why we don't ask people for help, not because we don't need it or couldn't use it. I don't ask you for help because my security is lost. I don't feel secure. I'm only secure in complete independence. So when we're talking about security with God, um, it's very real too. But we just need to realize that it's real in our culture regardless. And now this trans- translates into our faith where now coveting and discontentment's very real, worthy of some conversation and thought. Now we have this idea of anxiety. And this passage would speak to those being the actual motivations as to why we search for security in things and possession. And this passage just so happens to address what is perhaps the biggest issue that we seek security in, and that is money, inheritance, possessions, money. And yet we don't even talk about it. How many of you growing up actually knew the dollar amount your parents made for a living? couple. Most people don't. With your own children, do they know the dollar amount that you make? Did you ever have, do you have conversations around the dinner table about actual money and how your family uses it? It's rare. We don't even talk about money with the people that we're closest to, much less if I go and meet you and say, hey, hey, your name's Tony. Great. How much money do you make? Talk about awkward. Right? That's like the most awkward thing in the world. You don't talk about money. Why? Because you're not free from it. You're not free from it because you find security in it. And because you find security in it, you pursue it. You see, what you find security in, you will fight to keep. And you will pursue more and more and more. And why? According to this passage, there's coveting, there's discontentment, and there's actually anxiety behind all of that. Now, when, when we look at this, there's obviously a lot to sift through here, but Jesus kind of points us in a direction. Here, here's what he says in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So what, what's happening is here, he says, man, you take all your angst and your pursuit of all these things, which actually, if, you're, if you, you go to the place, your soul, you know that actually it won't satisfy. 
that those possessions, if you look at the book of Luke and all the way throughout, they actually hold you captive. And they hold you captive because you find security in it. And yet it's rooted in discontentment and anxiety. And so they actually will never actually satisfy. You're held captive. And what Jesus is saying is that God wants to free you from that captivity. He wants to give you true life. In other words, true life is not experienced in what you can provide for yourself. True security is not provided in what you can provide for yourself. God's good pleasure is to give you what you're wired for, and that is security. So in him and in all that he's doing, his kingdom. Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, it's really easy to like jump and go, man, I, I need to sell everything I have and get rid of all my barns and give it all to the needy. Although maybe that could be a part of what you do. Jesus, again, isn't saying barns are bad. He's getting to the why. And maybe you do need to sell some stuff and get like practice this generosity in your life. That might be true. But Jesus is getting to a place, again, of freedom. In this culture, Roman-driven culture, um, possessions were a, a, a status symbol way more than even today. So if somebody's driving a Mercedes, if you have a Mercedes, the truth is, is obviously that's not a bad thing. But the truth is, is it does give you a certain amount of status and culture. Agree? In the Roman world, it's way heightened. It was viewed as a, a, a power thing. And so the more possessions they had, they could be cash poor, but possession rich, and it would give them power. Additionally, a difference in this culture is giving a gift was actually, um, we do that out of the kindness of our hearts. And sometimes we feel like, well, they gave us a Christmas card. Now we've got to give them a Christmas card. There's a sense of indebtedness. But in this culture, in Roman culture, it was highly uh, utilized for control. So I would give you a gift so that you would be indebted to me. So what Jesus is actually getting to here is a deeper issue than just the possessions. It's the root reasoning of it this issue of control and ultimately jesus is inviting us and them into a free a free life where our our possessions actually don't control us because our security is not found in them that's the life we're invited into and that's what jesus seems to be suggesting that we could be freed from Release the captive. This is the series of the ti- the title series. So, I, I one thing I can suggest is um, us remind reminding ourselves two things, reminding ourselves of what Jesus is saying here. One is is you are highly valuable to God, and that should be worth your process. It should be worthy of processing your value in God's eyes. So as God the Father is providing, that should be worthy. Another practical thing might be just <laughs> generosity does something in our hearts. 
And there is some joy to be experienced when we give to the things of God and his work, whether it be through a local church or whatever. Just there's joy to be given there. And it is good for our hearts to be generous towards God's work in the lives of people. There's freedom in that. But here's what I would say. If we fight to keep what we find security in, then it seems like the necessary prayer is is for God to help. Just help us find security in Him and what He's doing. Because we can do all these things, but security is not found in what we can provide. Ultimate security is found with Him and all that and engagement in all that He's doing. And so at some point, we have a lot to overcome. So at some point, we probably just need him to show up. And to actually trust that the Holy Spirit will actually work in our lives. Little by little, step by step, towards actually finding our security in God. And so here's what I, I, um, I want to say, and I want you to hear from me with all this. There's a lot to think through. But I just want you to hear from me. I actually believe God's worthy of trust. I believe he's worthy of our trust. And I believe that because he has given himself to us. And I happen to believe the Bible's true. So him being worthy uh, is, is enough reason to at least process the teaching of Jesus here. I'm not sure how this might inform some of your decisions in your life today. But I do know why it's worthy of some conversation and some thought beyond this. And that's because God is worthy of giving yourself fully to. And I believe that when we can do that, that what we actually want, when, our, when, we, when we go tap the soul part of who we are, what we actually desire will be provided. We just need some help along the way. And frankly, need to be reminded of that uh, on an ongoing basis, which is why I think Jesus says, when you gather, would you do this? <laughs> would you take this bread and this, this cup and remember my provision for you? That's not just for when you die. It's also for today. And so I want to invite you as Kale comes up and guides us through some more worship through song. Um, the tables are open up front. This is your church. You can give in the boxes there. But as you take this, I just invite you to remember God's provision for you through Christ. And that's not just for when you die. It's actually for today. And so maybe you would be so bold to pray something like, uh, Holy Spirit, would you help me process where I find and why I pursue security in things other than you? Maybe you'd be so bold to pray that. But let me pray for you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God, we're so grateful for you. And I, I think I could speak on behalf of everybody here and say that, you know, although we, we believe that, we don't always practice your goodness in our lives. Well, we would say you love us and we'll come to the tables now and remember 
the perfect expression of your love through Christ. The truth is we don't practice your love for us because we seek security in so many things and yet there's so much for us to process through. We're just thankful that you understand that. As we come to these tables, Jesus, we remember your selfless love and provision for us. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to work in these inner parts of our lives of why our pursuits are what they are. It seems like at least anxiety is very real. Discontentment is very real. Covening is very real, and so we want to just invite you into those areas. Father, we come to you now in song and giving and remembering. Come to you in the name of Jesus, and it's because of that that we pray and trust that you will be honored in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.